Why not? Why not? I'm so glad you put your hands together for that. It's nothing, there's nothing sweeter than when someone turns to God. And here at this church, that's how we measure success, change lives. You know, Jesus is still changing lives, and he's very intentional. He's a good God. And uh, you're here because God has brought you to this church for this day. And this is a day of celebration. Um, if you're wondering, you know, who's this guy? I'm Pastor Ruben, and I dress like this every weekend. <laughs> every weekend, I just go out. And some of you are like, finally, we have a pastor. Thank God, finally, we have a pastor. I know you're old school. It's all good. But uh, I'm so happy about today. I'm about to jump out of my skin, guys. I'll just tell you that. I'm about to jump out of my skin. This weekend is what we're calling Why Not, K-N-O-T, Why Not Weekend. And uh, we did this a number of years ago. And, you know, I, here at this church, we try to help people in their relationship with God. We all come to church with baggage, good baggage, bad baggage, and we all have a story. And we try to help people in their walk with, with God and help them learn what it means to walk by faith. And, and, uh, and, and, and our hope is that people experience the Spirit of God and, and God changes hearts. Um, but one of those tasks is also, okay, we want to position you to experience the full blessings of God. And that means in your relationships also. So what we did was we said, hey, if you're in a relationship with someone and you're not married, and you should be married we want to marry you on this weekend. So uh, we have three couples that said, yes, I want to get married. Isn't that exciting? So cool. So cool. And uh, last night we did, we're doing a wedding in every service. Last time we did this, we did seven weddings. And, and uh, this time we're doing three weddings. Uh, and the, the video you just saw right now was Phil and Ramona. And uh, if, you caught, if, you, if you caught it, they had been together for 26 years not married, and they said, you know, we need to tie the knot. And she came to know Jesus, God changed her heart, and then their son was following after their steps. He'd been with his girlfriend for eight years, hadn't been married. So anyway, it's so cool just seeing people turn to the Lord. There's nothing sweeter than that. And last night we did a wedding. They'd been together for four years, and uh, a lot of prayer, and, and, and we did it. So uh, if you're used to leaving church early, you know who you are. You want to stay because we're about to do a wedding here in just a little bit. So thank you for being here. It's so exciting. I appreciate the courage of these three couples that said, I'll go forward. I'll go forward. It's a big deal. Um, I want to share with you a story out of John chapter 4. It's a famous story about a conversation Jesus has with this woman. This woman is known as the woman at the well. Uh, she's also known as the Samaritan woman. And, and, and think about that a little bit. We don't really know her name, but we know her as the woman at the well. I think about that. It's uh, what's important about this story is Jesus can change any life. So I don't know what's going on in your life, but Jesus can change your life. Jesus is life. He is peace. It doesn't matter where you're at or how far you are from God or what you did last night or what you did this morning. It doesn't matter. You have a God who doesn't give up on you. You have a God who loves you and cares about you and wants you to know his love and his grace and his mercy, his kindness, how deep, how wide, how long his love is for you. God wants you to know his love. And you're here right now to hear this message of God's love for you. I want you to put your arms around that. I pray you just swallow that and, and receive the love of God because he loves you so much. This woman the woman at the well, which is really interesting. It's like if you ran into Jesus, you'd be known as the guy at the gas station. You know what I mean? The woman at King Supers, aisle two. You know, whatever it is, uh, or the guy at King Supers, or whatever. But uh, it's it, all we know is Jesus runs into her, and the story behind this is uh, Jesus. Scripture says he had to go to Samaria, so Jesus goes into Samaria, and he's by himself, and his disciples go a different direction to get some food. So they're thinking about, you know what, it's getting close to lunchtime, we need food, let's go get food. They're just thinking about their physical, their natural desires. But this woman, or Jesus is thinking about lost souls here. So let's just jump into this, John chapter 4, verse 7. Maybe you could identify with a little, a little bit with this woman and some of the things she's working through. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. 
He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Isn't it cool how Jesus just doesn't care? Jesus just loves people. Doesn't matter your history, what, where you grew up and which side of the tracks or what color is your skin or, or what culture you come from. He just loves. Whether you're legal, illegal, it doesn't matter to Jesus. Every soul belongs to God. God cares about every person. Every person's made in the image of God. And God just loves. Jesus just loves. And, and, uh, and, and Jesus asked for a, a drink. And she says, why are you asking me for a drink? Why are, you, why are you doing that? Verse 10 says, Jesus replied, if you only knew. Say, can you say that with me, guys? If you only knew. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, if you only knew. If you only knew. If you only knew what's in front of you right now. If you only knew the love of God. If you only knew the future God has for you. If you only knew how God wants to use you. If you only knew, you don't have to worry about anything. If you only knew, Jesus can give you way more than that guy, than that girl. If you only knew, he's the one who's providing for you. If you only knew, he's the one that's giving you breath. If you only knew, say it again, if you only knew. Jesus tells her, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I'd give you living water. This woman is clueless. Jesus, the son of God is standing in front of her. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who existed before the world was created. The one whose scripture says everything was made through him and for him. The one who the book of Revelation calls the word of God. The one whom the book of Revelation says is the only one worthy to open up this scroll. The one whom every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. That Jesus is standing in front of her, and she does not realize who he is. She does not realize who he, who she is, who he is. I mean, it reminds me, I just thought of, I didn't share this last night, but it, there was this conversation with uh, uh, Barry Sanders talking to a kid. And uh, anybody know Barry Sanders? I'm going old school. Barry Sanders, famous football player. And the kid doesn't know who he is. And Barry Sanders is like, yeah, I won the Heisman Trophy. And yeah, I did, I did all, the, all of the accomplishments. And the kid is like, oh, really? You did that? You really, you really? And it's just like the clueless. Like, like I, I don't know who's standing in front of me. And Jesus is standing in front of this woman asking for some water. Such a basic request. You got any water here? You got any water? And she doesn't know who he is. And Jesus said, if you only knew, I'd give you living water. But sir, verse 11, you don't have a rope or a bucket. See, she's just clueless. She doesn't know what he's, he's talking about spiritual things. And her mind is set on worldly things. She's not thinking spiritual at all. And she said, and the well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Reminds me when we, when we, sometimes when we turn to God initially, when we turn to God and we, and you know, you hear this message of, you know, God loves you and, or you might be in a problem or your situation might be complicated or you might feel like you're so down the road spiritually and you're just in a dark place and now you're just so far and, or whatever it is. And we might turn to God and say, God, uh, you know what? My situation's pretty complicated. I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this. I don't know, God, if you could help me out. I've got a relationship here and I've got a relationship here and I got financial problems here and, and me and my mom aren't talking and me and my dad aren't talking. I'm not talking to my kid anymore and, and, and uh, you know, my finances aren't where they should be and it's just a mess and now I'm losing my job and you know what, God, I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this. And the well is very deep. 
So, so God, you need to go do a miracle that I think you can do because this is an impossible situation. And, and where would you get the living water? In verse 12, and besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his disciples enjoyed? This morning, I got in the middle of the night when my dog woke me up. Um, <clears throat> my dog who still needs Jesus. You can pray about that. But uh, this verse popped into my head in the middle of the night. And you know what the Lord showed me? This is a woman who knows scripture. She knows the story about Jacob's well. She knows about the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She knows it. Let me put it in another way. This is a girl who went to church, grew up in church. You hear that? And then, you know what the Lord showed me? It's possible to grow up in church and not know Jesus. It's possible to go to church and have a broken heart. It's possible to be in church and worship and sing songs, but have a broken spirit. It's possible to say you're a good person or even a Christian and really not know Jesus. She knows the story about Jacob's well. She knows Bible history. You know, she knows it, but she doesn't know who's standing in front of her. That tells you, you see, her spiritual eyes haven't been opened yet. Her spiritual eyes haven't been opened. And all of us are looking at the world, even right now, through a certain type of eyes. You're either spiritual, you have spiritual insight, or you don't. All of us do. There was a day when I was far from God. I didn't want to have anything to do with God. I didn't want to have anything to do with church. I was spiritually blind. And scripture says when you turn to Jesus, there's something like scales that fall off from your eyes. And all of a sudden, you see things that you didn't see before. You recognize things that you didn't recognize before. Right now, she does not have spiritual eyes. Some of you, that needs to be your prayer. God, open my eyes. Open my eyes, God. Because I want to see what you're doing in front of me. I want to know you, God. And sometimes we just have so much hurt, guys. Hurt and wounds and pain or whatever it might be. And, and we've been abused, uh, whatever, sexually, verbally, whatever. And, and it's, just, it's, just, it's just made us a little bit callous, a little bit hard. And our hearts are a bit hard because of everything we've been through. But your God is a loving God. Your God is a faithful God. Your God loves you. Your God has a future for you. Hold on to that. So how can you, she says, how are you better off than this? So she knows, she knows scripture. She knows the Bible. Verse 13, Jesus says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Look, check it out how he's just speaking to her at her level. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. You never have to go to King Supers or Costco again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So Jesus says this. Jesus says, hey, anybody who receives him as the living water, something happens within them. They're changed on the inside. You keep reading in John, you know what that change is on the inside? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is alive inside of them. Holy Spirit's alive. Sometimes we think, oh, going to church and, you know, it's, it's good to do that kind of thing. And we might think, oh, I'll go to church. And, and maybe you might even think, yes, I want to receive Jesus because I want to go to heaven. But what you miss out is this. God wants you to experience the kingdom of heaven today. Today, God wants you to experience his peace and his presence and his purpose and his direction in your life and the freedom that comes with the spirit of the Lord. He wants you to experience him Today, in the inside, he wants you to know him. And Jesus said, oh, it'll, it'll happen within, within them, giving them eternal life. It's like a bubbling spring inside of them. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Totally self-centered. <laughs> then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. She's just thinking, it's just hot. <laughs> I don't want to walk all this way. If you can give me that water and can save me a trip, I want that. And then Jesus says, go and get your husband. Jesus tells her, have you ever, you know, <clears throat> faced a question and, and you're like, mm, it's complicated. I know it's a simple question, but I'm not sure how to answer that. Go and get your dad. Mm, which dad? 
Go and get your mom. Mm. I don't know where she lives. Go get your husband. Mm. Jesus, look, I want you to see something. Jesus is opening her eyes. And he's showing her something. Um, verse 17, um, she says, I don't have a husband. The woman replied, Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had, how many husbands? Five husbands. And you're, you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So cool. Um, uh, notice that she didn't voluntarily disclose that information. I think there are certain parts of our life, depending on who we talk to, we're like, you know, I'm not going to share this part with you because it's complicated. And she has this conversation with the son of God. She doesn't know he's the son of God. And, and uh, Jesus said, well, go get your husband. And she's like, um, I don't really have a husband. And Jesus applauds her for speaking truth. Now, in this story, you also see something. Jesus doesn't shame her. He doesn't shame her. Now, he's not going to leave her where she's at. But she does, he doesn't shame her. And, and, uh, and she says, I've had five husbands. And, and, and if you do a little study on this, there's all kinds of um, ideas behind this woman. First of all, um, five husbands, like, what happened? What's wrong? Uh, typically, when someone goes through... Um, goes through a situation where they were married and then they were divorced. Uh, what I've seen as a pastor is typically their second marriage, they do things that they didn't do their first marriage. They learned a little bit. They learned a little bit. Then maybe if it's a third marriage, they're like, okay, I've learned a lot now. I'm not going to do things. I'm not going to make the same mistakes in marriage number one or marriage number two. I'm going to be a different person. In marriage number three, I'm doing all kinds of stuff that I didn't do in marriage number one. And you just learn from this. This woman's had five husbands. Five husbands. Um, I have a pastor friend who was talking about marriage. And, and a guy came up to him after service and, and said, you don't know anything about marriage. This is what he tells the pastor. And then the guy says, hey, the guy asked the pastor, how many times have you been married? And the pastor says, well, I've been married once. And he says, you don't know anything. I've been married three times. You don't know anything. <laughs> Just all perspective, isn't it? <laughs> all perspective. All perspective. The other thing behind this is during the day of, during the Bible days, if someone was divorced or had an affair or anything like that, and they remarried that remarriage, there was, they were going against the law. They, they, they were committing adultery. So the fact that this woman was married five times says there were five men, or at least four men, that said, I don't care. So maybe she was a beautiful woman. I mean, because men are enticed by beautiful women, right? <laughs> maybe she was a beautiful woman, and, and they were like, you know what? I know what the law says, but man, she looks good. I'll marry you. I know you've had another, woman, another guy, and I, I, I know that, and I'm okay. I'm, let's do it. Let's tie the knot. But Jesus never sh shames her. And he says, you're right. You've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. So the first thing we see out of this is this. Living together and marriage are not the same thing. That's what Jesus is saying. Living together and marriage is not the same thing. Regardless of what you say to yourself, what you tell yourself, regardless of what your imagination, you know, drums up. Living together and marriage are two different things. Um, what's, what's marriage? What does it look like? Someone once said, if you see a guy opening up a car door for a woman, it's one of two things. Either the, the woman's new or the car's new. <laughs> one of the two things. Uh, there's some truth to that. I need to open up the car door for my woman. And marriage, you know, takes work, guys. I'll just tell you, we've been married for 31 years, Grace and I. And uh, I feel like, you know, marriage ceremony, it, it lasts for maybe 30 minutes. But I think it takes about 30 years to figure out you're the project, not the other person. It just takes a while. And every morning, you start at ground zero. Every morning is work. I'm just telling you. My woman has shown so much patience towards me, and, and, and we've loved each other and encouraged each other. But it takes work. There's a lot of sacrifice involved. 
Genesis chapter 2. Let's look at the definition of marriage. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib of the man. He had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man, literally the rib. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. Then they become one flesh. Literally he's, he's fallen asleep and God takes a rib and just, just spiritually. And it's hard to understand. And he creates a woman from the rib. Um, for the longest time, every time when I was early on in my marriage with grace, I would introduce her as my rib. And, uh, she, after a while, she's like, knock it off. Ribbon. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> You need Jesus. I mean, like, uh, here's a, de- a working definition. Marriage is a God-ordained covenant relationship between a man and a woman who make a lifelong commitment before God to become one. There's a, there's a Bible definition of what marriage is. That's what it is. That's what it is. And it represents this relationship between Jesus and and his church. Ephesians says, as the scriptures say, man, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So marriage represents the relationship between Jesus and his church. And there's this, over and over, you see this, this purpose of one, 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 one. Physically one. Spiritually one emotionally one. And that's the, this is the picture that this husband and wife, man and woman is a picture of the relationship between Jesus and his church. Now marriage, as you know, it's two imperfect people coming together, right? I mean, the person you're sitting with right now or by most likely, you know, everyone has different experiences, right? So it's two people coming together and saying, let's do life together. Let's do life together. It's important to understand scripture says it's between a man and a woman. That's a big deal today, isn't it? There's a lot of discussion about that. So I'm talking to you as a pastor on what the word of God says about what a marriage is. This world is constantly trying to redefine things. It's important for us to understand truth. It's important for us to go to the source and say, what, 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 is the, what does the word of God say? This book has been around for thousands of years. It's the number one bestseller. Number one bestseller. These 66 books are all inspired by the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And God moved through ordinary people to bring us the word. Incredible. So, the, so marriage is this idea of, of oneness. And, and for you to, to, to experience that oneness, there's some things that happen, have to happen. Um, I did a little research on maybe some, 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 uh, some things we could learn from people who've been married a long time. And, and here are some things. Uh, number one is this. Make your God your top priority. If you want to have a healthy marriage, you've got to make God your top priority. Not something you do on weekends, not something you do, you know, occasionally or whatever it is. It, it, you need to feed on, on this post right here. This is more important than Instagram or Snapchat or, or Twitter or whatever you're looking at. You've got to spend time in the word of God and read it and let God's word sit inside of you. I'm talking to someone right now who just came to know Jesus. And I was talking on the phone about helping him understand. I told him, start in John. That's a good place. And he's like, what's John? And I said, well, it's in the New Testament. It's the fourth book. So I was telling him, it's after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we just read the first nine verses together. And I was helping him understand who Jesus is. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And I'm helping him understand. And I'm, I'm wanting him to understand, feeding on the word of God is your strength. This is your juice. This is, what, this is what fuels you to keep walking by faith. This is how God changes hearts. So if you're not spending time in the word of God, you're just running on empty right now. And you know, the first storm that comes your way, the first thing that happens, the first hurt, the first pain, the first thing that inconveniences you or, distur- or disturbs you or disorients you, you've just got shallow roots. So you got to prepare for that and read the word of God. Make God your first priority. The other thing is worship God first. 
Worship God first. I know, I know the saying is, happy wife, happy life. Come on now. Happy wife, happy life. Man, you act like you have no idea what I'm talking about. Come on. You live it out every day. Oh, boy. But the person you need to worship above all else, above her, above him, is God. You worship God first, and God will take care of everything else. Pray together. Forgive each other. Forgive each other. I think uh, Ruth Graham said, um, marriage is the union of two forgivers. Forgive each other. It requires forgiveness. You know, I mean, you know what that means also, guys? Don't let little things get under your skin. Don't, don't, it's okay to let things go. It's okay to do that. Not everything has to be a fight. I've learned the hard way. There's times that things have bothered me and I'm like, oh, I think I need to bring it up to tell her, you know, how wrong she was. Cause I love telling, you know, we like telling people how wrong each other are, you know, and Jesus didn't do that. And, and I'm like, and then there was something inside of me that said, don't do it, Reuben. Don't you do that. <laughs> don't bring it up. And you know what? I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. And man, that ruined my whole night. That was not a good idea. Have you been there before? Don't you say it. Don't you talk to them. Don't say it. Don't say it. And you're like, but I'm so right. I got to say it. And then you realize, well, that was really stupid. Why didn't I listen to that still, small voice? That's the Holy Spirit. I love each other. Don't keep scoring. Man, you're going to lose. I'm just going to tell you that. You're going to lose. Don't keep score. I was taking out the trash or something or doing dishes. And, and sometimes I like to announce to Grace the things that I do in the house to get credit. So I'm like, Grace, I'm doing dishes right now. And then I thought, you know, what, if, what would it look like if she just announced every time she did something? <laughs> I'd feel horrible. I mean, she does so much. Don't do it. Make time for intimacy. Make time for intimacy. I've I've gotten to the age where I can buy clothes at the same place where I go shopping, grocery shopping. And uh, those Costco clothes look pretty good. (laughs) But but everything's a date. It's all good. It's good to be friends. It's good to be friends. Uh, Don't speak out of anger. Don't speak out of anger. Always tell the truth. I thought about that one, and I thought, you know, the only way that happens, if there's trust, right? Because it's like, okay, if I'm going to tell the truth, are you going to hurt me with that truth? Or what are you going to think about me if I tell you the truth? Is your perspective going to change? The truth is, guys, we all need the grace of God. We all have battles. And we need a loving environment full of grace, full of truth, full of trust that says this is a safe place for you to grow. And that trust is so special. Last thing I want to say is this, learn to laugh at yourself. Don't take things so personal. Some people, when, you know, they, they get laughed at, they're like, why are you laughing at me? Why are you laughing at me? And I was like, well, you're funny. That's why, because you did something funny. It's okay to laugh at yourself. It's okay to laugh at yourself. Enjoy life. Every moment, don't let things, you know, change your mood so quickly. Life is full of ups and downs. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians, so again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, in this verse, there's a whole book that's been written based on this verse. It's called Love and Respect. But this verse says, okay, there's two things that need to happen. A wife needs to feel loved. And a husband must need to feel respected. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. And respect your husband because he needs that. Uh, here's a quote from the book. When a husband feels disrespected... It is especially hard to love his wife. Mm. When a wife feels unloved, it is especially hard to respect her husband. You see that? So it can become a vicious cycle. If you don't feel respected, I'm not going to show any love. If you don't feel loved, I'm not going to show any respect. So loving and respecting 
is so important. There's a mindset that you have to change when you're married. You have to go from a single mindset to a married mindset. If you have a single mindset in a married situation, it's hard. Because when you have a single mindset, I mean, it's really about you, right? I mean, you're not thinking of anyone else. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'll decide when I want to decide. What are you going to do today? I don't know. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I do what I want to do. A single mindset can't work in a married mindset world. It can't work like that. Let me just say this too. If you're single, we have a lot of singles that come to Thorn Creek, and I'm so grateful for that. Learn to wait on God. God knows the desires of your heart. Don't settle for anyone coming by thinking this is going to be the last bus that's going to come my way. I better jump on. No, 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 no. Your God is a big God. He loves you. He cares about you. Here's the number one thing to look for. If you really want to go, if you really want to go there, here it is. Look for someone who loves Jesus. Look for someone who loves Jesus. I'm just going there, guys. You just set that bar. And if they're not there, you say, I'm not even going to waste my time with you, loser. I'm not going to be with you. you know, I don't need to be with you. You're just not there. I'm a child of God. And, you know, you can start praying for your future boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. You can start praying for them. Uh, dads, you, dads, if you have a girl, you should be praying right now for her future man. You should be praying right now. I know some of you are in denial and you don't want that day to happen, but it's going to happen, likely, most likely. But incidentally, Paul the Apostle said, you know what, it's better to be single than to be married. Think about that. He said, you only have to please God. That's what Paul the Apostle said. Um, here's some advice for singles, because I, w- I want to speak to you as well. This comes from a great Bible scholar named Will Ferrell. Um, I, I, I like Elf. I just like Elf. It's a crazy movie. It's an old movie. Before you marry a person, you should first make them use a computer with slow internet to see who they really are. Naked. Mm-hmm. Strike off. That's it. I'm not going to have with you. I want to give you a word. Consecration. This is a big word. It's a Bible word. Um, you read it about it several times in Scripture. John chap- uh, Joshua chapter 3. Joshua, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm going to start a whole new series on, on, on Joshua chapter 1 next weekend. But Joshua chapter 3, uh, God is using Joshua to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And in verse 5, Joshua tells the people, consecrate yourselves. Can you say that with me? Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the lord will do amazing things among you so joshua is telling the people consecrate yourself because tomorrow god's about to move god's going to do a new thing what is consecration here's a definition the separation of oneself from things that are unclean especially anything that would contaminate one's relationship with a perfect God. So it's like this inventory that you say, okay, God, look at my life. What don't you like? What, what doesn't sit well with you, God? What is it that's not pleasing in your eyes, God? Okay, just look at my screen life and look at the, the websites I go to and look at my apps. Look at who I follow. Anything there? you don't like? Is there anything that's affecting my relationship with you, God? Is there anything that's holding me back from being the person you want me to be? From being the man you want me to be? Hello, man. From being the woman that you desire me to be? Hello, ladies. Is there any relationship in my life? Any friends that I'm running with that's just not good for my soul? Am I in a relationship right now that I shouldn't be in? Is my sexual life, what's happening in my life? Just look at, look at me everywhere here, God. And is there anything in my life that's not pleasing to you? The music I listen to, what I do, whatever it is, God, I want you more than anything else, God. And I want you to be pleased with my life. It takes a while for you to get there. That's what I've discovered. Not everyone gets there quickly. But eventually, if you have spiritual eyes and the Lord opens them up and you have a desire to walk with God, eventually you want God more than anything else. I'm just going to tell you that's where you'll go. 
eventually you'll recognize, you know what? Jesus has been so good in my life. I'm not going to let anything take his place. God has been so good in my life. Like that song that the worship team sang a little while ago. The goodness of God. Hasn't he been good in your life? Why in the world? Why in the world would you go drink water from a sewer when you can have the living water? Why in the world would people settle for sewer water instead of the living water that God provides? Your God loves you. Your God cares about you. Your God sees you. Your God wants you. Your God will bless you for turning to him. So consecration carries this connotation of holiness, sanctification. And it's this invitation to say, God, just go ahead and take off anything. I'll walk away. I'll drop. I'll delete. I'll whatever. God, I want, I want you, Lord. That's consecration. Consecration. So hear this. You need to consecrate yourself to God first. Then you'll know his will. So your part is to say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's your part. That's consecration. Your part is, God, I'll go ahead and let go of it. And what I've discovered is God will always match your faith. He'll always match your faith step. And you say, God, I want you more. And you say, all right, God, I'll let go of that. You know what God does? He says, great. I'm going to show you a little bit of who I am. I love you. That's what God does over and over. And you look at this woman. Oh, I got I to read this to you guys. 1 Corinthians 6 says this. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to church people. He's talking to people who say they believe in Jesus. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. You know what that price is? It's the blood of Jesus at the cross. So you must honor God with your body. There it is. It matters to God how you carry your body and what you do with your body. It matters to God. It matters to God. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit used to dwell in a tabernacle. Used to dwell in a tabernacle. And every once in a while, the Holy Spirit would come down on prophets. But it lived in this tabernacle. And, in, and, and here in the New Testament, Scripture says, if you walk with Jesus, you call yourself a Christian, the Holy Spirit wants to dwell inside of you. Wow. The Old Testament God-fearers never dreamed. Maybe they dreamed, but they never experienced the Holy Spirit like today's Christian can experience the Holy Spirit. This is crazy. This is crazy. It's like the idea that, wow, I can experience the Holy Spirit. Best I, I thought about, like, what's an analogy of this? And I thought, you remember, guys, there was a day. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going a little bit old. Anybody remember Blockbuster? <laughs> you want to go see a movie? You got to go get in your car. You got to drive down the street. You got to hurry up and get there before 10 o'clock because they're going to be closing any minute. And you got to walk down all these eight track or not eight tracks, VHS. I'm really glad. VHS and looking for, a, looking for a movie. And it may be in, it may not be in. And you know, anybody else needs to think, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if one day you can see any movie you want from your TV, you know, or, or good night from your phone? You know, I, I wish I could go back in time. I think about my teachers from way back when. I remember my math teacher say something like, do you think you're going to have a calculator with you all the time? <laughs> Where is she now? <laughs> in the New Testament, today's Christian, you can experience the Holy Spirit inside of you every day to lead you, to guide you, to encourage you. Old Testament did not have that. In John chapter 4, verse 39 Check it out. Here's a Samaritan woman. Many Samaritans for, from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Wow. I mean, she's famous. Her line, her tagline is this, come see the man who knows everything about me. And scripture says she becomes a missionary in the place where Jewish Hebrew Christians, Hebrews, Jewish, didn't matter whether they're Christian or not, they avoided going into Samaria. Jesus went into Samaria. He talks to the woman who's been married how many times? Five, Five times. You know what, guys? Hear this. It's never too late to turn to God. It's never too late to turn to God. 
It's never too late to turn to God. God can use you. He can clean you up. He can wash you up. And he can use you for his kingdom. And you know what, guys? If you say yes to God, you say yes to Jesus, other people around you will experience heaven because you said yes. The people in your circle, your family, your friends, they're going to experience the kingdom of heaven if you say yes. And I don't know what your story is. I don't know what things you've done, but God knows your story. God knows what's brought you here. And you're here because God wants you to hear this message that he loves you and he cares about you. And he wants you to know him. Your first step is to turn to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity, guys, before we do this wedding. I want to give you an opportunity to turn to Jesus. What an incredible gift you can give to God, your very own heart. And some of you came to church and you're not a Christian. And maybe God's opening up your eyes. And you're starting to recognize who Jesus is just a little bit. Your first step is to say, Jesus, come to my heart. I want you to be my Lord, my Savior, the driver of my life. That's your first thing. Others of you, you might call yourself a Christian. And here's your step. Consecrate yourself. From here on out, I'm going to honor God with my body. From here on out, I'm going to do some deleting of my apps or videos, I'm going to do songs, whatever it is. From here on out, I'm going to pick my friends. From here on out, every relationship's going to matter because I want it to matter to God. And I'm going to be mindful of that. Let me pray with you. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord. And right now, Lord, I, uh, I want to first pray for those who are ready to receive you as Lord and Savior. If you're ready to receive Jesus, say, Jesus... I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be Lord of my life. I'm not sure what all that means, but I know I need to turn to you today, Jesus. So come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. And I want to become a Christian right now. Teach me how to walk by faith and how to walk with you. Others of you might need to say this, Lord, you know I call myself a Christian, but I'm discovering today that I need to consecrate myself to you. So if there's anything in my life that is impure, unclean, unholy, oh, Lord, I want to turn away from. I want to turn away from that sin. I want to live the life that you've called me to live. I want to be pleasing to you, God, and I want all of your blessings and use me like that Samaritan woman. Use me in a way that's disproportionate to who I am. Use me to tell others about you, Jesus. At work, at home, school, friends, whatever. Use me, God. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. myself when 
Demons in my head get loud I don't know how you do it But you turn them down I snap and wonder who I'd be If I never found you And you never found me Well, welcome family and friends to this joyous, joyous occasion. When's the last time you've been at church in a wedding on a Sunday morning? Look at people turning to the Lord. Uh, we welcome and thank you for being here to celebrate this wonderful occasion between Shane and Rena. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Who gives Rena to be married to Shane? All right, great. Thank you. You can... Escort her right around here. Uh, she looks beautiful. You did good. You did good. You did great. Uh, come on over here, Rena. You guys can hold hands together. You guys look wonderful. Shane and Rena have committed themselves to the Lord. It's, you've been together for 21 years, and today you're consecrating yourself before God. Way to go. So excited. Thank you for the honor, for being a part of this. The Lord is so good. Um, scripture says, Ephesians chapter 5, says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. It's beautiful. You may be seated, church. Thank you for being a part of this. Uh, Shane, um, before God and these witnesses, will you, Shane, take Rena to be your wife? Will you love and comfort her, honor and keep her, and enjoy and in sorrow, preserve with her this bond holy and unbroken until the return of Christ Jesus, or as long as you both shall live. If so, please respond with the words, I do. Hmm. Rena, before God and these witnesses, will you, Rena, take Shane to be your husband? Will you love and comfort him, honor and keep him, and enjoy in sorrow, preserve with him this bond, holy and unbroken, until the return of Christ Jesus, or as long as you both shall live? And if so, please respond with, I do. Shane and Rena, today you're making this vow before God and your church. And Shane, um, I'd like you to repeat these words as your vow to her. Say, I, Shane, take you, Rena, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part according to God's word in the presence of God I make this vow Irina Irina take you Shane to be my husband to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part, according to God's word, in the presence of God, I make this vow. May we now have the rings. <clears throat> You brought the ring, right, Mike? <laughs> Shane, will you take the ring and place it upon Rena's finger? And as you do, repeat to her after these words, I give you this ring as a token of my love 
and commitment to live with you in a Christian marriage from this day forward. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You can't pull your hand back that quick. <laughs> Uh, Read it's your turn. Will you take the ring and place it upon Shane's finger? And as you do, repeat to him uh, these words. I give you this ring as a token of my love and commitment to live with you in a Christian marriage from this day forward. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray a blessing over Shane and Rena, God. And I pray that you be with them, Lord. You bless them as they have consecrated themselves to you, Lord. Watch over them, provide for them, bless their future. I pray you are with them in a fresh way they have never experienced before. Take them deeper in your love, God. May your favor go before them all the days of their life. Bless their children and their children's children, Lord. And Jesus, you are Lord of this couple and Lord of this home. In your name, Jesus, I pray all this. Amen. Amen. Well, and as much as this couple have exchanged vows and rings before God and gathered witnesses by virtue of authority entrusted to me as an ordained minister of the church and in agreement with the laws of the state, I now pronounce them husband and wife. <laughs> what God has joined together, let no man separate. Shane, you may kiss your woman. <laughs> Let me introduce you guys to Mr. and Mrs. Geyer. So much fun coming to Thorn Creek, guys, I'll tell you. Hey, so uh, they're going to be out in the lobby if you want to go uh, celebrate with them. There's a bunch of cake as well. And I want to invite you to next weekend. It's going to be an incredible message. If you need courage, you don't want to miss next week. God bless you guys. Have a great day.